Assalamu alaikum. Welcome to the Mad Mom Luke's. I'm Mahin and I'm here with my co hosts, Sheikh Amr Saeed and Sim. And today, live in studio, we welcome a very special guest, Sheikh Amin Kolwadia, who is the founder and president of Darul Qasim, which is an Islamic institution of higher learning in the Chicagoland area, but also has chapters across the United States. So, Sheikh Amin, uh, first of all, thank you very much, Jazakallah Khair, for coming on the show today. Thank you, Jazakallah. It's an honor, pleasure to be here. It, it, it is truly a treat, and for me especially, and I'll tell you why, um, in the... Uh, in this whole DuPage County that where we grew up, Sheikh Amin was uh, definitely a teacher. Everybody somehow relates to him as being his teacher, whether through Ramadan of, of leading. There was a time, I think, where you were actually leading prayers at IFS and giving the talks and taking care of all that. So everyone has directly or indirectly uh, had touch with Sheikh Amin, uh, whether it's learning or getting advice. And um, But for me... Uh, this is a major treat is because I still remember in the year 2000, I was trying to learn Arabic with him and I didn't do very well because of that, that situation I was in at that time and the busyness that I was at. Um, but I, there was one time where I went to his house and I said, I have to have a conversation with you. Tell me if you remember this. And there was another brother there that was helping you, I think painting the house or something like that. And you took the time out. And you didn't have to. And uh, he sat with me and he said, okay, you want to go and study? Let's see um, if this these feelings that you have are actually, you know, if, if they're real, if you really um, are ready to do so, right? And when he said that to me, I think, okay, no one else did that to me because everyone's like, go, 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 you know? And he actually took the time to be like, okay, let's see if you're ready to do so because we don't want this to end you know, in a, in a negative way. That's kind of what I got from it. So he talked. He talked with me. He had a conversation with me. His house was being renovated at the time, and he's taking out the time to talk to me and this and that. So that was that was something really awesome. And at the end, he was like, "You know what? I think I think you should go ahead, go ahead with it, and uh, make sure that uh, you're very careful." And one golden piece of advice that he told me was, he said, "You're going to be gone for at least a few years because at that time I was planning on being Mauritania for four years, but I was there for a year and a half." <clears throat> And he said to me, he said, when you come back, make sure you don't open your mouth for six months because a lot's going to change. Even if you see something that you think is wrong, don't say anything, right? And that, that's exactly what it was. And he's the one who actually um, pushed me in that in that way. And that's why I, I firmly believe I'm forever indebted to this individual. So yeah, it's, a, it's a major treat uh, to have him. I, I'm sorry it took so long. But alhamdulillah, we have the place, so it's very yes. comfortable and it's actually a presentable studio. We didn't want to bring you to a studio, someone uh, who has, uh, you know, your 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 reputation, community, some place where it would be inconvenient or anything like that. So, um, you know, it's it's very it, your presence has a grandeur to it too, inshallah. Yes. No, this is a pleasure. It's all mine to be here with you guys, mashallah, young, energetic, and. The reason I told you to shut up for six months is most probably you didn't know anything. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you're right. Uh, you're right. You're right. I still, yeah. honestly, still don't. Good, much. No, it's just uh, we have to be careful when, when we learn something uh, fresh. Okay. Then we need to process it. And it's the, the re-acclimatizing is, is a process, and you need time to do that. Of course. Yeah. So that was the reason why I said don't. No, no, don't, I don't I, engage in. Meaningful conversations. 
No, I, I completely yeah. understood that after I got back too because it gets tempting. Yeah. You want to say something. You learn something and yeah. you think that you can now just... But there's no wisdom behind it then. No. It's only emotion, which can be very destructive. Yes. Good. You made it good. <laughs> it's all alhamdulillah from your du'as and your advice, mashallah. Yes. You know, alhamdulillah. Uh, Sheikh Amin, so you you mentioned before we were while we were setting up that you're Gujarati in ethnicity. Yes. Um, how many years did you live in India before you were in the UK? Yeah, I was in India for about three years. Then uh, I moved with my mother and two sisters to England where my father already was there. Okay. And then we we lived there. I lived there until I was in high school. I, after high school, I went back to India to study. I did my hips in Gujarat, studied in Bangalore, Sabir Rashad. I studied one year in Karachi. The rest of the studies was uh, in Darulum Deoband, UP, India. Mm-hmm. And I spent some good time with the judge of India, Qadi Mujal Islam in Bihar, Patna, Pulwari Sharif. So that's the extent of my travels. So oh, yeah. no, no. This is. I, I'm sorry. I didn't know this. But I didn't know that you spent time with the judge because when many people ask me, um, you know, you know, uh, studying with Sheikh Amin, what should I study with him? Mm-hmm. And one element I actually mentioned this to you guys too. Um, the high, one of the highest levels or the highest level of exercising fiqh is being a judge. Yes, it's yes, different sir. than being a mufti because a mufti, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not far to completely follow everything. But if a judge decides something, that's there's right, a lot yeah. of implications. Yeah. Someone's life can be on the line. That's right. That's and right. and one thing we realize about how you conduct yourself yeah. is you conduct yourself in a very judge-like fashion, mm-hmm. which I don't see in many individuals. Mm-hmm. And I'm not going to make this a session of but completely just sure, sure. all praising you. But it's it's it's, mm-hmm. it's 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 something that we should recognize. Because something that's always intrigued me that I always wanted to ask on this podcast is there's many people who studied where you where maybe you've studied right Deoband Arlun Deoband and 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 but you're not like the average and I'm not, I don't mean this negative about anybody else but you're not exactly like them you don't teach your methods your your mindset is is not like theirs mm. um, rather there's there's a different element and mm. that's what that's what I I don't know about you guys I want to know that's what makes you tick in that way that mm. you have a different approach you know of, yeah, of teaching basically Allah has been very kind to me and uh, you know the, the, I've always wanted to think in a very organized way structured way my early schooling in England helped me develop uh, you know uh, an attitude in life that was organized structured especially in thinking when I went to India I was very fortunate that I met my Sheikh, Wallahi Arhamu Sheikh Muhammad Miran, and he was always exceptionally organized in the way he understood life and reality and everything else. And wherever I went, uh, in uh, Sabir Rashad, the first uh, madrasa I really went to, post Hifs, the founder was a judge also. Allah Akbar. And the last school I went to, was also a judge. So I, I think in sandwich in between two judges, you see what you see in front of you. <laughs> yeah. and, and I even mm. told this to my students, I taught your son also. Yeah. And that was actually, I was saying this before the podcast, It was at first it was kind of intimidating. Yeah. Don't worry, but I was intimidated by you as your father. Mm. But <laughs> it, was, it was like, how am I going to teach his son yeah. Islamic studies? Yeah. But I don't know if you remember me saying this. I said that if there's anyone that can be a judge that I know mm. in the United States, it would be Sheikh Amin, yeah. right? An Islamic yeah. judge. Yes, right. and that it's it's kind of understood even the way you conduct. Yeah, um, your yeah judgeship is necessary to understand the Islamic law. That we value Islamic law, and it's slightly different from fiqh. Uh, fiqh doesn't become law until a judge gives a verdict, and until the government approves of that law being enacted. 
So that that's where my uh, curiosity has always been. That in early, uh, in my early days when I was in school, I came across some uh, encyclopedias where they, for some odd reason, praised Islam and the Muslim civilization. I find it very odd <laughs> in Western Europe that nowadays uh, it's very different. But I, I was intrigued by the level of um, uh, organization, legal organization that the Muslims offered. And indeed, when I started studying Hidayah, the book of Hanafi law, I saw it was just amazingly structured, organized. And so, but having said that, we don't crave to be a judge because, you know, it's a very sensitive issue and matter. And uh, we want to make sure that uh, justice is served. And that's difficult to do if you, if you're always listening to the, you know, the sad stories of the community <laughs> day in, day out. And you have to get real with life and practical about life also. So rather than take the route of being, you know, a judge, black and white, uh, counseling also helps. It does. Yeah, it does. Yeah. And one thing I remember, um, and you guys can chime in. I'm just going to keep going back and forth because, but, uh, um, one thing I realized in the book of Hidayah that you mentioned, uh, the section of Adab al-Qadi, right, yes. of how a Qadi conducts himself. And when I went through that portion, I realized how detailed mm-hmm. every move of a judge is because yes. the expectations are so high exactly. of yes. the judge. Yes. He's expected to almost be superhuman, Yes, right? Yes. And um, even one of the, the chapters that intrigued me is that if a judge is listening to two parties, if he turns and he looks at somebody else, he should look at the other person too, to be fair. Mm-hmm. And even Imam Hanifa and uh, Imam Muhammad is also mentioning that if they shouldn't be, one shouldn't be farther than the other. Like you and me are sitting right here, you're closer to me than him. They should be at a fair distance also. Mm-hmm. Like such detail. Detail in equality. E- equality. Uh, under the law. Yeah. yeah. So th- and these are our principles that came through Wahi, which uh, although we came to distribute to everybody in the world, but I think those who took from us should give us credit also. Of course. <laughs> now, after you finished your studies in India, did you return to, to England? Yes, I came back to England. I worked as a translator for about two years. Then I came over here, and uh, the rest is history. <laughs> right now, were you you came directly to Chicago, or did you? No, 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 no. no. I, I came to the West Coast, the, the prettiest part of the US of A. <laughs> I quickly realized it wasn't for me. <laughs> Why? <laughs> for too expensive? Reasons. Too expensive and too wild. <laughs> I, I wasn't that wild. Okay. No, yeah. it was like uh, South, it was like the Bay Area? The Bay, the Bay Area, yeah. And I see. It was a complete desert, uh, meaning there were very, very few Muslims. And, uh, you know, the, the Juma I did attend was very poorly conducted. And uh, some people said, you know, the only place you might be comfortable is Chicago. So, well, Somebody yeah. really said that to you? Yeah. So I said, oh, fine. So Chicago was not on my itinerary, exactly. Uh, and somehow Allah uh, brought me here. And, you know, then, as, as you can see, Alhamdulillah, it's been okay. What, what years are we talking about? Like in it was about 1984. 84, okay. Yeah, 84. Oh, wow. yeah. Okay, so this is like pre, this is like... Before you were born. <laughs> I was born in 81, actually. You were? I was yeah. born, yeah. Was oh, born well, you also. don't look like that. <laughs> I, I, I try to dress like a 19-year-old. It annoys my wife. So I keep it up. Well, I you know what? I, what I remember when uh, Sheikh Amin came to Chicago, uh, all the, the young kids in the area were really happy seeing someone who 
was a little bit younger. Yeah. yeah. And, oh, yeah. And they were like, oh, you know, have you heard of uh, Hafiz Amin? That, that was, uh, was uh, your moniker back then. And everyone wanted to go and sit with you because you were able to relate yeah. to them. But not only that, they loved the accent, too, because we've never yeah, seen totally. any scholar that came. They actually had, you know, with all you know, respect, yes, we don't yes, mean, yes. but they had a Desi accent or Arab accent. Yeah, yeah. But then you have this individual, yeah. mashallah, he goes, and then you had guys, and not in any ill manner, they started trying to imitate him because they liked the accent. I don't know if you were aware of that, yeah. but a lot of people love the accent. Yeah, I was told later on that, Many people try to mimic me. (laughs) I don't have any recordings of those. (laughs) Confess your sins, everyone out there. One thing that I remember uh, over the summer, we had a chance to... uh, we we had a chance to kind of be flies on the wall with a breakfast between you and uh, uh, Sheikh Yasser Qadi. Yes, yes. And uh, I remember you telling him that you know, he needs to, like, you know, he, rec- and I, I would assume this advice is for any American da'i, yeah. is to spend a week in Chicago. Yes. Not give any talks, just hang out. Yes, yes. No, you definitely. know, w- w- why, why would you uh, recommend sh- Chicago? It sounded like you think Chicago is a microcosm yeah. of what's going on in the United States, but could you elaborate yeah. a little bit? Yeah, Chicago is a microcosm of what happens in the Muslim Ummah, period. Okay, not just the Muslims of America, because anything you want and uh, is here in Chicago available to you. You have Bangra, uh, dances and music, and you have, you know, Mushara, poetry competitions, and you, you have all the great food, and you have even, you know, cricket leagues, uh, <laughs> and you have other uh, Arabs doing their, their business, and you have people who claim they're doing Islamic work, but they're not, and you have people who... <laughs> is that us? <laughs> <laughs> Are you here to reprimand us, Sheikh? Is that why you came on yeah. the show? <laughs> and you have these pseudo intellectuals and pseudo actors and you know wannabe pop stars and all the great stuff that the Muslim Ummah does outside of America you find in Chicago. Yeah. And I think that's why the selection, if I can move into this, is why um, you chose this institute yes. to be in Chicago. Exactly. Um, yeah. Because it's a representative of... It's a very versatile, vibrant community. Uh, things do get done in Chicago by hook or crook eventually, uh, although some of the time we use uh, to, to, to plan may be better served. But there's a huge market. In Chicago, you have so many Muslim organizations, so many Muslim institutions of higher learning, as you were saying, but uh, they all have their own specific market. Yeah, The pies are just so big. Yeah, yeah, And I, and I think people who want to do work in the USA should have a field trip to Chicago once before they start their work. Yeah. And and one thing I realized is one of the, 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 the teaching vehicles that you have, or the, the driving force, was filled with a lot of wisdom, but not just average wisdom. It was a Ghazali-type wisdom. A lot of the talks that I've attended of yours, yeah. you referred to Imam al-Ghazali, and you oh. uncover a lot of these things, not only just in purification of the soul aspect, yeah. or tazkiyat al-nafs or tasawwuf, it's a, a, a very uh, um, juristic method. Yes. And would you say that that's kind of like the driving force, or you utilize, or how do you utilize a lot of that philosophy of yours? Again, it the, goes uh, back to the philosophy of organization and structure, that everything God creates has to come through a uh, an organization and a structure of the, like the word wahi okay and the word amr amr means order and command but there has to be a structure in it so imam ghazali because he was you know the the tail end of the early scholars 
not quite the mutaqaddimun, the early predecessors, but he was there at a time when they had already fathomed the depth of the, the law. And uh, because of that, uh, he represents both the spiritual component and also the legal component. But there, the reason I, I, I would speak about Ghazali and speak through Ghazali would be because of the, the, the spiritual component to bring people down to earth, literally. Mm. Uh, so that you say that uh, this is Allah's favor on you, that you're actually thinking about Islam in this uh, country, the superpower of the world. And you have the ability to worship freely, which we, I think, we still do. Yeah, that, that hasn't been rescinded, has it? <laughs> As, of <laughs> As of today, no. <laughs> no. Good. Allah keep you that way. I mean, I mean, <laughs> yeah, inshallah. I mean. But it was that. That was what, what I call the Islahi paradigm, the Islahi approach to reforming the Muslim Ummah. Then Dar al-Qasim is about the academic paradigm. And the academic paradigm has to be on par with the community and culture of mainstream America. Mm-hmm. So in mainstream America, what do you call a good education? Okay. You don't call high school a good education. That's a necessary, like almost for the Ayn level of education, right? Mm-hmm. A good education is at least you have a bachelor's. Even these uh, athletes who, you know, uh, and entertainers, they claim they went to college, <laughs> and they claim they have a degree. You know, whether they did anything with their education, that's a different issue. But at least they was in; they had a bachelor's. Mm-hmm. So Dar Qasim was uh, under this rubric that we wanted to cater for uh, students who want to learn Islam at the bachelor's level, at the master's level, and eventually, inshallah, at the PhD level. So that's the organization structure I came up with so that it's kind of consumer friendly and we use the market language and it's not alien to a young person who's born and raised here. What is this alim degree? It's an alim degree is the master's level of Islamic studies. So our job is done. The marketing is easier. If it's an alim degree, seven years of study where you study this, this, it won't make any sense to someone. That's too abstract. So we broke it down at Dar Qasim. So we also have a pre-collegiate program, which is our best product. That's the Sheikh Al-Hind program, where the idea there is to assist the Muslim uh, learning Islam uh, through the Fardayin method, but in Arabic. Okay. So he gains some confidence and says, hey, guess what? I know that Salat is Fard and I can say a Salat of Fard in Arabic and, <laughs> and I can get away with it too. <laughs> yeah. So that's a part-time uh, product for two years where we, we request people to spend nine hours a, a week over four semesters. And by the end of that, we develop within the student, hopefully, the ability to read books like Qasas Nabiyin, Book 1, Book 2, and also be able to follow the text of Aqilat Hawiyah. That's our Sheikh Al-Hin program. That is necessary to enroll in the bachelor's. The bachelor's four years. At at the end of the bachelor's, we teach uh, enough uh, so that the student is able to read Islamic law, like Hidayah, a few Hanafi. Right and Jalalain uh, in Tafsir, uh, which is a good standard of understanding the Quran and Sharia Qaid in your theology, and also uh, in 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 your Arabic you have certain standards. And Hadith we use Mishkat. After that, the the master's level is your Sihasitta courses, 
uh, spread out over two years with some other books that you need for and, and further education. Just for our listeners, mm-hmm. how Sita, he means the uh, six books of hadith that yes. the Muslims depend upon, yeah. including Bukhari, Bukhari, Muslim, Tirmidhi, etc. Yeah. That you're able to read that in, in, in your master's level of education. But we just reframed it. Gave, so the master's gave, is hadith based, basically. That's, the master's is hadith based so that you can understand your, your fiqh better. Very nice. Yeah. That's what it is. And you have, I heard that you're coming out with a PhD level now, too. We are, yeah, on it's route in the to works. making a PhD level program also. Yeah, we just need more geeks to come on board. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the first to enroll. If you have it, I'm there. Wait, wait, you don't qualify as a geek. Uh, I don't qualify as a geek. I'm a loser, but I mean, <laughs> I can definitely, inshallah. Yeah, I think the term is Islamo nerd. <laughs> no, I'm not one of those either. But yeah. I, I, and I did speak to you about the master's program, inshallah. Yes. And I was planning on going back overseas. But if you have something in my backyard, I'm yeah. definitely, no, no, and especially you. if you're the one responsible for it. You're, you're welcome. Uh, anyone who has that level of education already, they're welcome to join the master's program which is a three-year program, the last year being for a thesis uh, kind of writing uh, program. That year we uh, allow them to do their own research with some supervision from some of our wonderful scholars. We have some great scholars in our faculty, mashallah. Allah give them barakah and blessings. Okay, so now just majority of people in general Mm. are probably like guys like me and Mahin. We're undergrads and we're professionals. We don't have, you know, further education like... you know, yeah. PhD or anything. What, what, where would we start at Dadal Qasim? You would start at the Shekhul Hin level uh, or pre Shekhul Hin if you, if you don't want to do the whole two year course. And what does that entail? So your, your, your earlier courses, you just do Arabic. Okay. At your own pace. Okay. And you, you go at your own pace. And you, you, you can also benefit from the other programs, which are community service based. Okay. I've separated what is community service from what is actually ilm and knowledge. Community service is what, uh, you know, uh, Muslim masajid mosques do and other organizations do that they help the community grow or raise funds for projects and, you know, they offer five-time salat in, in, on-premises and they have some counseling services and they have some drives. Do they have uh, darses too, like, you know, yeah. like... Like a darsan this or a darsan that. Yeah, so we, we initially we started out with the community service program where it will just be what, what, we, what we used to call the appetizer courses, durus, on this subject and this subject. Now just to bring the crowd in so that they, they get a taste of, you know, the great names that we have in our great history. Masha, you know, the, the Ghazali and Ibn Qayyim and, you know, other great scholars. Uh, what's, his, what's his name? Ibn Atallah, the person who wrote the Hikam, right? Ibn Hajar and some of the courses, works that he did, Ibn Nawawi's courses and so on. So that was just to introduce the scholars to the community so that they would appreciate that uh, we, we, we have a level of scholarship in classical Islam which is second to none to infuse that pride in the Muslim mind in this country, that this country develops only because of its education and its educational institutions. Harvard, Yale, Princeton, Stanford, Berkeley is perhaps the reason why America is still America. Yeah, and you know, I have uh, some friends who are students at Darul Qasim, like in the bachelor's program, and the way they, and they're full-time, you know, working professionals and 
they're not sleeping. Yeah. <laughs> you're putting them through the ringer. I mean, this isn't like you're going to come in here yeah, and yeah. do some like cookie cutter like Sunday school, no, 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 you no, know, sure. Sunday school and and yeah. you don't get qualified. You're going to like work really I mean, hard. You're raising specialists basically. Yeah, and I'm nice. It's uh, people from all professions come in and and they see the value for a structured organized lesson plan and uh, you know, a methodology that appeals to their training. Yeah. And so I think a, a lot of our listeners need to understand why this is so valuable because one of the criticisms that a lot of Muslims or Muslim scholarships receive uh, is that they're making rulings with uninformed rulings. Yes, yes. they're not they're not experts in yeah. um, biomedicine and chemistry and and uh, things that require uh, further study. Right. Yes. So the, what you're doing is you're you're getting people who are already professionals, exactly. right? Yes. And you're mm. putting a layer. And in of Islam and Islamic education, mm. and integrating that into yes. their personality, basically, yeah, and so right. that they can yeah. have these. That's right. So Islam, Islamic knowledge has been infused into them, so that uh, they perform in their fields at a much higher level, with much more energy and confidence that they can actually contribute to mainstream American academics and uh, you know writing in journals and white papers and publications and books and all of that so so they, they we do want to create the ability of muslim professionals to take the lead in their in their various um, you know professions but through the academic lens not just through the lens of earning money and making uh, you know, whatever life they have more comfortable. So there, there is an element of sacrifice that's needed there. What professions other than, right now the easy answer is like med medical professions, yes. but what other professions are there that would be conducive to higher learning, that, that would be able to go hand in hand? Smooth transition. Yeah, you know, like things that are, uh, Muslim scholars are trying to perform ishtihad on and yeah. Kind of well, there are many. I mean, you, the sky's the limit. The medical profession being one, the legal profession being another, uh, the business community, they really need some business ethics. Huh? Okay. What is the uh, Islamic value of business in business? The teachers in our communities, so those who are in the education field, uh, they could benefit from this kind of structure and organization. Uh, people who want to do curriculum development to, in order to write textbooks, they want to infuse the Islamic philosophy ideology into some of the sciences like social sciences or history or something like that. And you have obviously the, the stockbrokers, <laughs> right? And everybody else in the world who, who's trying to make uh, money from their various professions. You you name it, you, you're going to see that whatever we have to offer is the uh, monolithic foundation for Muslims in the U.S. And the word monolithic is intriguing because we must agree on the foundational values of Islam, right? One of the points you just raised is that when it comes to representing Islam, say, in the media or on CNN or writing or giving a lecture somewhere, that unfortunately, in, in the 80s and 90s, uh, I mean, Allah give them reward for whatever they did, but our, our uncles who represented Islam uh, with the rabbi and the Christian theologian and the Catholic priest, they weren't on the same platform. <laughs> because the the uncle didn't know what the word theology meant. <laughs> Never mind, discuss it. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so that was a great disservice. 
And for that, we need to create and develop people who, who can think at that level, where we, we are on par with mainstream American uh, kind of uh, systems and standards. That's what we're trying to do. And uh, mm. what, so um, recently, I haven't heard anybody um, except for you talk about uh, bioethics in Islam, mm. medical ethics in yes. Islam. Mm. Um, what, what drove you? to actually get involved in these in, in, in these specific fields? Well, it is basically a need. The, the, obviously, um, need is the mother of invention, as you know. Mm -hmm. right? yeah. So uh, in bioethics, there was a need, and it is, uh, I think, we, we have to give credit where it belongs. There were some young medical professionals who wanted to know more about Muslim bioethics. First of all, the question was, do we have anything that is Muslim bioethics, and you know, unfortunately, they didn't know Arabic, uh, and if they did, they weren't able to read those books uh, in Arabic because we do have a lot of material uh, in our madaris and in our you know institutions that give fatwa, but it's in Arabic and Urdu and Farsi. Okay? So we needed to transition that, uh, the way we transition, you know, the Latin and Greek works uh, through the. Abbasi Khilaf, we need to redo it this way. <laughs> what goes around comes around, I guess. <laughs> yeah. The monkey see, monkey do. <laughs> right. It, it reminds me, so I know it's almost like a year ago, one of the earliest podcasts that Mad Mamluks did was Dr. Kamran Riaz. Yeah. Yeah. Right. He talks yeah. a lot about this. And uh, my wife and I were listening to that in a car together, and she's a gynecologist, and she was like blown away. She's like, I didn't know, like, like it just changed your framework, and I, I I work I'm an engineer, but I work in like steel manufacturing. Yeah, and so you can think about things like, you know, because with your dealing with man, manufacturing, you're yeah. dealing with using natural resources. Yes, yes, yes. And then trying to like find you need the stuff, but then yeah. at the same time, where does it cross the limits exactly of yeah. profiteering excessively? Yeah. yeah, at the but, demise of of like the climate, for yeah. example. Yeah, but that's that, that's why we call it business ethics. Okay. But more than business ethics, what we also focus, uh, or we want professionals to focus on, is the the ability to be creative and uh, also very enterprising. That Islam does give you the ability to be creative and to generate more than what you think. Uh, you sh we should be leading the industry. That's what I'm saying. Right, it's through many processes. One is vertical integration, and all of that. So those models are out there for everybody to benefit from, and this is how we sustain the great civilization for over a millennium, you know, all the way from the Atlantic to China. I mean, it's it's mind-boggling that people would assume that uh, Muslims were kind of against progress, mm. and but yet they were able to sustain half of the world. For a thousand years, and you know, how do they do that? Unless you believe in uh, that all Muslims were Sheikh Abdul Qadir Jilani, <laughs> and they performed karamat every day, which I think majority of Muslims no longer do. <laughs> there must have been somewhere, somewhere where they had an economic system, they had, a, you know, a culture of, uh, you know, rules and regulations, and uh, all of this. I think that needs to be reinvestigated. I think by most no, people. certainly that's that's a not, that's like kind of crazy. So Darul Qasim is setting a model like the students at Darul Qasim are expected like not to just get by at work and then study at Darul Qasim, but also to be like execute at a high level, much higher level. optimal performers. They, yeah. they they must do that to show that uh, you know Muslims are still mashallah the people who give. And and um, is it safe to say? Is it safe to say that Donald Qasim is heavily focused on investing on those individuals that are very high performers and highly educated 
to bring them into this realm of Islamic studies, incorporate that same discipline they have. So you're not really looking for numbers of people to enroll. No. You're looking for people to be high level performers mm. to 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 uh, enroll themselves. Yeah, I mean that that's our focus, but we don't uh, deny anybody of course, the of course. opportunity to come and learn with us if they're not there yet, but we would help them develop to that uh, level. And what if somebody yeah. is like for instance not Hanafi or somebody's Maliki or somebody for instance yeah. uh, they they believe that you yeah. know they don't have to follow a madhab for instance. Yeah. How do and they do want to enroll though. Yeah. How do you cater to that? Yeah, because sometimes we, yeah. it can be a challenge. Yeah, we would tell them that by default, every Muslim in the country is Hanafi. (laughs) 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 And we would brainwash them to believe that. (laughs) That without Abu Hanifa, you don't exist. (laughs) But um, yeah, we have open door policy. And uh, mashallah, if you're Maliki, that's great. We we won't agree with you on anything, but... If you're shah- Mahi, Mahin's Maliki, by the way. Yeah. You're, you're hurting his feelings. I yeah, think. That's fine. That's fine. <laughs> <laughs> that's what we're here for. This is America. Tell that, him you don't like Ohio State either. And the, tell him you're a Cubs I, fan. I think he'd be more upset about that if you if you insult Ohio State. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I can always change my tubs if it's convenient. Yeah. <laughs> you can you can yeah. an asa if yeah. you like. You can utilize the staff in order to Yeah, but him. if you're from Ohio, I feel for you. <laughs> that's punishment enough. Yeah, especially Cleveland. Man. I'm from Columbus actually. Yeah, uh, I, I also don't like Cleveland. Well, that's close enough. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Like uh, two hours or well, so. You know, I was in Cleveland yesterday, by the way, and I told oh. them, yeah, we, we did a number on you guys so, <laughs> forever. <laughs> yeah. If uh, there's hope for the Cubs, Cubs, then there's hope for Amir. Yes. No, like, and but like you mentioned the open door policy and stuff. But I, like again, I, I've heard that like. You, there's a system in place to like make sure people are still serious. Like yeah. the Arabic program, I heard is it, it's not going to be like some Mickey Mouse club. It's going to be something where it's very uh, it's rigorous, but also intentionally dry, as yeah. I've heard, to make yeah. sure you're really serious. Yeah, it's, it's a by design. Yes. Yeah. If you get bored and you don't like it, then that, our job is done. You don't belong here. And so, I think the philosophy of that was real cool. I know, like, there's books that you know in the Hanafi Madhab, for yes. instance. Is like for instance, we talked about hidayah and talwiyah Those yeah. books are very coded and yeah. dry, yeah. and they're done that way intentionally, mm-hmm. so no average person can pick up and just start yeah. trying to attempt to make fatwas. Yeah, right. So yeah. that person even ha- that has to go through those books has to be a very serious mm-hmm. student because it's it's not going to be like sitting in a session of discussing. Uh, a purification of the soul and warming yeah. the heart it's not going to be like yeah. that yeah. but yeah. you actually have to it's going to real it's going to make you realize if even, even though it's a dry subject you're going to end up loving yeah, it yeah you're going to have to discover that you have a brain first yes yeah. <laughs> yeah. no but i don't know if i don't know if we can move on to the next thing but yeah. i think sometimes um uh people they they don't realize that People who specialize in fiqh or in, in, in comparative fiqh, mm. that and its own, if you have a drive for it, that itself is a type of tazkiyat and nafs. Oh, definitely. It is. It is, right? It gives you the boundaries within which you may live and perform and practice your deen. Yeah. And the way everything manifests in that's itself is beautiful. very necessary. Without that, you won't have a civilization. Civilization doesn't exist without a legal theory. Mm. Now, obviously, our president has proven it's wrong at the moment. (laughs) (laughs) But there you go. Things do happen. Yeah, no, no, but but I I agree with the approach to make it like almost like have like a weed, a weed out program, because, you know, in the 2000s, when, you know, we were when a lot of us got interested in the dean, there was a glorification of studying Islam. Mm -hmm. Right. And, you know, and then but a lot of it's just hype. 
it's just like a tr- it's like a yeah. fad. Yeah. Yes. And so like Daryl Cossum is here to like okay if you're here for the fad like mm-hmm. all right you ain't gonna, you ain't gonna last too long. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know? We don't serve Pepsi. <laughs> <laughs> don't serve Pepsi. Yeah. You, you bring your own Zamzam with you. <laughs> Mashallah. And uh, I know I know we're running out of time. I think it's almost four o'clock now. Um, just one quick thing is is um, for our listeners, we want them to kind of understand that. Uh, no matter how high of a level a human achieves mm. in Islamic academics, they always have this human side to him and the human side to them. And uh, they may watch sports once in a while, mm-hmm. right? And they may find it okay, mm-hmm. right? Um, I understand that you're somewhat of a Cubs fan. Are you a, a, a pretty hardcore Cubs fan? I don't know. Well, it's in the genes, you know. Okay. You're from India, you're from England, then bat and ball makes a lot of sense to you. Right? <laughs> cricket, yeah. Yeah. So the cricket and baseball, they kind of converge together somewhere, at least in the in the tools and the names. What about the real genes, football? Not yeah. the football of the United States, but the real football. Are you into real football? The real football, yes. And that's more of a childhood passion. So. Do you have, do you have we, a favorite uh, Premier League team? Yeah, we do, but I can't say that on, on, on the air. <laughs> Why not? No, no, no. no. <laughs> yeah. uh, have they been relegated? Well, no, no. One thing about, one thing about football is... <laughs> Meaning in America we call it soccer. Yeah. You have hooligans, and if they find out that you yeah. like another team, they may. I, I mean, Sheikh, I mean, the fan of like Millwall. They had like the worst hooligans around. No, 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 no. <laughs> I, I chose them because they have a component of jihad in their name. <laughs> <laughs> Their, nick- their nickname is called the Gunners. Oh, <laughs> oh Arsenal. Arsenal. Okay, I see, I see. Nice. Ar- Ar- Arsenal happens to be an Arabic word by the name. Does oh, it really? Yeah, it's, called, it's from Darussina, mm. Yeah, where they used to make the weapons. Really? Hence the word Arsenal. So it's an Arabic word which, uh, you know, makes sense that some Muslim would actually support the team. <laughs> did, did you know there was a, there was a town in Ireland they uh, back in the 1700s or 18th century, they received a they had a, a potato famine and they were starving, and the Ottoman Empire sent them yes. uh, a great generous amount of food. Mm. And uh, to make a long story short, they did was they put the uh, the star and crescent yes on their on their seal. You know, so if anyone's familiar with soccer, you'll see. Club crests and whatnot mm. that have crosses and whatnot. These guys have a star and crescent on there, mm. okay. in honor of, of what the Ottomans so, did for them. Good, good. Mm, that's a and, and the reason why I bring that up to light is that mm. um, even though it's a very rigorous program and you're ex- you have there's very high expectations yes. for the program, but you have somebody who's the president. And the founder of the Al Qasim, and obviously in the introduction we didn't do the do justice. I mean, we'd have to go on and have a long list to do do justice to your introduction. Yeah, you should come so and visit us, us, and then uh, you can do justice there. Okay, yeah. no, for sure. <laughs> in the, as being a judge, I will do justice for you. <laughs> but, but, but what I'm saying is that um, the reason why I mentioned that is because the individual that's the president and yeah. the founder, he understands that he understands what the average person does and how they watch sports and they're and how they're entertained and oh, no so doubt. you bring no, that just, into yeah. obviously the curriculum because i've seen you yeah. do that before yes. that you you're very real with the crowd you know you're you're at the same level as them yeah. as sometimes we see you know and may reward all of us for all our efforts yeah. but sometimes you fall into the trap of um talking about something that people don't understand what you're talking about yeah. and you can't do that right well the, the beauty of understanding the quran is that it allows you to relate to the language of people Okay. And that's what we do when we train, that we're supposed to speak at the level of the people. 
And unfortunately, or fortunately, the most uh, the people they understand sports an- analogies very easily. Yeah, they do. Yeah, yeah, yeah so, they do. Like losers and <laughs> losers. <more, more laughs> <laughs> no, no doubt. Well, yeah. uh, all right, Sheikh Amin, Jazakallah Khair for coming That's through. Cool. And I wish we would have you for two hours, but yeah, it's, uh, maybe yeah. some some other time. But we'll, we'll I'll t- I'll take the offer. We're gonna like I'm gonna visit you guys. Well, Inshallah. you you still have a tafsir class going on Sunday mornings, eleven a.m. Central Time is live webcast for anyone else. Okay, who wants to just uh, go to the website? It'll be free. Okay, you just Darulqasim.org uh, uh, Darul is the website. We're gonna have it into, into yeah. the, in the show notes. And yeah, yeah, anyone's interested in enrolling, when's yeah. the next, for example, the Sheikh Hind program kick off? Well, we go by uh, by the academic year, so the next one will be in fall okay. this year, inshallah. Yeah. Okay, and how does one and the information for applying everything? Is uh, on the you just go online and you register, and everything else is kind of very straightforward. Okay, and if someone has, let's say, someone like uh, like has taken a few levels of Arabic, yeah. they can they would place it into the appropriate level. You would be placed where you belong. Yes, inshallah. Right. Sure. Hopefully, sure. <laughs> some do fall through their cracks. <laughs> <laughs> they get relegated. <laughs> they get relegated. All right. On that note, we will wrap it up um, okay. for our special guest, uh, Sheikh Amin Kowadia, uh, and my co-hosts, um, Sheikh Amr Said and Sim. This is Mahin for the Mad Mom Luke's. And before I forget, I forgot forgot a normal plug. Like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter. We are on iTunes, so give us a five-star rating if you haven't already. Um, we'll make sure the Sheikh does the same as well before he leaves. I don't know if he's out of iPhone or not. <laughs> and uh, for you Android folks still living in the Stone Age, we're on uh, Stitcher Radio. So for the Mad Mom Luke's, um, we are signing off. Assalamu alaikum. Assalamu alaikum.